0: Welcome to the Your Take Podcast. Welcome on in to Your Take Podcast. I'm glad to welcome back Ben Ekdahl for his third podcast episode. Today we're going to be talking NBA futures, giving you our favorite bets as the season kicks off tomorrow on Tuesday. We got a lot of great plays. If, if you're going to be someone who's going to be wanting to put a lot of futures down on the NBA, be sure to get your notepad ready because we got a lot of plays coming at you. Bunch of different angles. We're talking win totals, conference finals and NBA finals champions, Who teams that are going to either be yes or no for making the playoffs, some division winners, some long shot uh, player futures, maybe some MVP, maybe some scoring title. We'll get into all that in just a second. But first, let me welcome Ben.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back, Ben, you know. Uh, it feels like it wasn't too long ago that the bubble was going on and, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to having the NBA back. It seems like every single season uh there's just added intrigue for me. Um So yeah, I'm looking forward to locking in some of these future bets. And, you know, I think I have a couple locks over here and I know you have a few locks over there. So I'm excited to give the people some money.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. So, Jumping off of my Eastern Conference podcast episode that just came out in the last few days, let's start off in the Eastern Conference, talk about some of our favorite bets. So what we're going to do for all the people who are listening, we will talk about each, we're going to talk about each conference. At the end end of each conference, we'll give a recap for our favorite plays. So if you don't get a chance to put everything down right away, then at the end there'll be a recap. So keep that in mind. So let's start off with, we can start off with some of our favorite Eastern Conference team blasts. We're talking about win percentages and teams that are going to either miss or make the playoffs. Before we get into it, I thought one of the really interesting things about win percentage or about win totals this year, I guess there are two main things. One, like a lot of the win totals bets on a lot of the sites are only going to have action if there're seventy or more games on them. Which I'm thinking about just how many cancellations we saw in the NFL, how many cancellations we're already seeing in college basketball every single day. I can't imagine that any of the seventy or more games needed to. For a bet to be actually get action, I can't imagine any of those actually going through at the end of the day. I really don't think any team is going to play 70-plus games. Um, so that definitely makes the win totals a little interesting, which is why we're going to be talking about win percentage bets instead of win totals. But a weird thing about win percentages is, again, you don't really know which, which games are going to be canceled. If you're an Eastern Conference team... And you get COVID right before you have your big Western Conference trip to go play the Lakers, the Clippers. I know a lot of teams have those back to backs at Staples Center. So those Lakers, Clippers, and maybe also the Warriors and the Suns, you have a little Pacific, Pacific Division road trip and it gets canceled. That's four really good teams that all of a sudden your games are just getting canceled and it's going to really help your win percentage. Meanwhile, you could be a Western Conference team and you get COVID right before you have your, uh, your Cavaliers Pistons road trip. And so. It's- <laughs> it's really going to impact, cancellations could really impact win percentage totals.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, you know, it's it's a whole other level of added intrigue here. Um, obviously, I think, and you agree, the win percentage thing is definitely the way to go. Um, there's no point in locking in a ton of money into a win total thing, all for that bet to be canceled. Uh, that's just a pain in the butt. And then also, I think it adds more intrigue to just the playoffs, yes or no bets as well. Because uh, at the end of the day, they're still going to make sure those playoffs happen. And that's solely going to be based on the sandings. So I also have a couple of bets, well, one bet specifically related to that as well.
0: Yeah, and really quickly, before we get into it, another interesting thing is how the schedule is changing this year. Um I know that normally you play between you play everyone in your own conference three to four times everyone in your division four times and you play everyone in the other conference only twice and this year it's you're playing everyone in your conference three times and everyone in the other conference two times so if you're an eastern conference team you now have a disproportionate number of western conference games in a really tough western conference um compared to what you usually do and and vice versa for the west they have more east games than they normally do which is going to be good for the west teams
1: yeah definitely i mean those teams in the tough divisions um are certainly going to be lucky that they don't have to play their normal division opponents four times in a season, uh specifically looking at the Atlantic division, um, and then the Lakers division as well. Uh, that's definitely an added level of intrigue as well.
0: All right, cool. So jumping right on in, uh, I'll give you guys one of my favorite plays uh coming out of coming out of the Eastern Conference. These kind of two go together. I'm really high on the pacers this year, especially given some of the lines. There, I think they're getting a lot of disrespect. I know, you don't really like betting on your own team too much, but as someone who is not a Pacers fan, uh, there's a ton, a ton of value on the Indiana Pacers. Um, looking at the roster, who they're bringing back, if you think about last season, they were already the, the four seed in the East last year, or four or five seed in the East, ever get. Were they the four of the five, Ben? Remind me. Uh, the four seed. The four seed. Okay. I know, I th- I know we had a little debate about that in the past, but I actually forgot if they were the four or the five. So they were the four seed. They had a really good record last year. I think they won like 58, 59% of their games. Um, and they, they were never fully healthy. They, Oladipo was completely unhealthy for pretty much the entire season. And then meanwhile, once they got back to the bubble, uh, Sabonis, who was their best player, most consistent player all season long, he got his first all-star appearance last year, put up career highs and points and rebounds. Uh, he missed the entire bubble. So you're looking at a Patriots team that was never fully healthy and still had a fantastic year. They didn't really have many adjustments. Oh, no, okay, their win percentage was actually 61.6% last year, so even better than I than I just said. Um, but they they bring back pretty much everyone. Uh, their bench is really good. They have a ton of three-point shooters. And overall, like, it's, just a, it's just a really solid team. And I think that the coaching change is actually going to really help them. One of the biggest things with the Pacers last year, running uh, more of the Nate McMillan, it's kind of more traditional-style offense, was they didn't shoot a ton of three-pointers. They were one of the bottom five teams in the league in three-point attempts. Um, and I think with this new coach and they're going to be shooting a lot more threes and they have, a, they have the shooters to do it. It's not like they're going to make this change without the personnel. And I think that the the two bets that relate to the Pacers, my absolute lock is the Pacers to make the playoffs. Um, that's at minus minus one sixty seven, as well as the Pacers with a win percentage over 54 and a half percent. Um, and just to kind of go into how me and Ben are going to be talking about our bet sizing, I'm just going to use... I'm not going to give you guys our exact amounts of money, but we're talking about unit size. So hypothetically, if I tell you, if I bet, let's say forty dollars per unit, and I tell you to take a bet that's three units, it means that I'm taking it at one hundred for one hundred twenty dollars. But if your unit size is only ten dollars a unit, then you're going to be taking it around thirty dollars. So that's just kind of a good way to think about if how you want to how to size your bets if you're going to follow any of these picks. We're going to be talking in unit sizes. So going into my unit sizes for these bets, for the Pacers to make the playoffs, I found that at minus 167, I'm putting three units on the Pacers to make the playoffs. I think there's a clear cut top seven teams in the in the East that the Pacers are in. And that after that bottom, and I think that that, that top seven, I'm sure you would agree, Ben, is pretty much locked into the playoffs. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I love that bet. Um, you know, I think... The traditional power structure that we've seen the last couple seasons in the East is going to stay true this season. Uh, none of those teams have really gotten a whole lot worse. And then obviously the Nets are going to be a hell of a lot better going into this season. So I think that top six that you saw last season is going to shake out the same way. And then the Nets, even though I believe they did finish seventh last season, um, they're definitely going to be in there as well. Uh, so that top seven to me is completely locked in. So I absolutely love that Pacers to make the playoffs bet, especially.
0: 100%. And then lastly, going into the Pacers again, I have them over 54.5% wins, and that is a two-unit play that I found for minus 120. Again, as me and Ben just talked about, the top seven's pretty locked in, and I think that, unlike last year where the seven and eight seed in the East were like really bad teams, I think that the top seven is like actually really, really good basketball teams this year. Uh, the Pacers are are going to beat up on, and pretty much those top seven teams are going to beat up on the bottom of the East for for most of the year, and I think that 54.5% is really a great value. The Patriots have not been below that in like three or four years, and there's nothing to think that their team is, is going to do that again this year. So, Ectol, what are some of your, uh, what what is one of your, I guess, favorites uh, in the Eastern Conference?
1: Yeah, so kind of to build off that, um, how we're talking about that top seven traditional power structure, you know, that really only leaves one other spot in the playoffs uh, for an Eastern Conference team. And, you know, folks like Ben Steiner are out there, gassing up the hawks excessively but the atlanta hawks are gonna be a bad team once again this season i get it they have plenty of great shooters and obviously trey young is a rising star in this league but there's nobody on that team that can play defense and in a conference like the east where it's more of a gritty basketball than what you see out west the hawks really don't fit in And they're going to struggle against those top seven teams who, for the most part, play some pretty elite defense. And when you look at the rest of the East, you know, some of the other traditional bottom feeder teams are really going to improve going into this season as well. You know, the Magic are still there. They bring back pretty much their entire roster and they're still a solid team to make the playoffs. And the Wizards, I mean, the duo of Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, it's going to be an incredible duo. And Russell Westbrook is going to return to his triple double status and they're absolutely going to be competing for a playoff spot as well so in looking at how the east shakes up my absolute lock and this is going to be a three-unit play for me as well is the hawks to not make the playoffs at plus 110 i imagine them finishing in the 11th to 13th place range and not even having a chance at the playoffs once we're down to the end of the season
0: you're a, you're a low you're lower on the Hawks than I am. I could see them probably finishing in like around the nine ten range. by I 100 agree through that I like that was one of my plays that I was kind of in. it wasn't something I was gonna put out on the podcast. But it was definitely a lean that I saw that I thought like, oh the Hawks went to make the playoffs to miss the playoffs at plus odds seems like too good to be true. A team that's being really really gassed up. Uh, you look at their team last year. They were one of the they were 20, 28th in defense last year. Just one of the worst defensive teams in the league. As you kind of mentioned. Um, and the only player they have that's going to fit this defensive scheme is Clint Capel. That's literally the only defender they brought in. Uh, you look at the guys they added, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovic, Rajan Rondo. Good players. Gallinari and Bogdanovic specifically are really, really great offensive threats, but again, are not going to do anything for them on the defensive end. And then Rondo, I mean, until the playoffs, he's not giving you, he's not giving you much effort till the playoffs, but, um, the Hawks in general, their defense is still going to be one of the worst in the league. And you think about late in games, Trey Young is going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to be the guy taking, he'll be responsible for the playmaking late in games. And as you mentioned, those, those players in East, he'll have, he'll have, uh, Drew Holiday on him. He'll have Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry on him. He'll have Ben Simmons on him. He'll have jimmy butler kendrick nunn so he's he's gonna be having really tough defenders on him malcolm brogdon as well um and i just can't imagine even if the hawks get in really close games down the stretch they're gonna be at a real disadvantage against not only teams in the east but teams in the west because their playmakers just don't have the experience that some of these other playmakers do on the top teams across the league
1: yeah exactly i completely agree and you know Obviously I love Trey young and you know, he is, if he's not already a superstar in this league, I think he's going to really show that he will be a superstar in this league this season, but just reiterating the points that you made. I mean, John Collins, isn't magically going to become a good defender. Kevin Werder is not going to magically become a good defender and all of their additions this offseason were offensive playmakers and late in the game, kind of what you're talking about. I don't see how Rondo and Trey young can coexist in any sense of the word, uh, late in games. And then, yeah, mentioning all the defenders that you mentioned in the East. Um, and on top of that, Marcus Smart on the Celtics is probably going to be, he might even be his feistiest competitor, especially late in games, defending him. Every single top team in the East has a great matchup defensively for Trey Young. So the Hawks are definitely going to struggle.
0: 100%. And I think one of the interesting things about the playoff bets this year, yes or no, is that even if you finish seventh, if you finish seventh or eighth in the standings, it doesn't actually the bet doesn't hit unless they actually make the final eight teams. So even if the, hypothetically the Hawks were to get that eight seed, if they were to face hypothetically the Wizards in the nine or the ten uh, in that play-in game, I mean I would trust Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal a hell of a lot more to win a to win a winner go home game uh, than I would Trae Young and the Hawks team
1: yes yes absolutely and you know speaking of playoffs do you want to get into some of our playoffs best playoff bets for the eastern conference
0: uh let me do my i have two more win totals oh, okay. real quick for the east and then we can jump into that so I'll, I'll touch on these quickly i know we touched on the nets a lot already um and you're probably gonna touch on the nets possibly when we get into mm-hmm. these eastern conference finals picks but i like the nets over 62 and a half percent wins um i have a two-unit play on there i'll save my talking about the nets uh until we get into the Eastern Conference Finals picks, but just keep in mind that sixty two and a half percent I think is really good value. Uh, you're looking at the teams, the teams in the top of the East. Generally, I mean, last year the Bucks, Raptors, and Celtics, the top three seeds, all finished not only above sixty two and a half percent, they were all sixty seven or sixty seven point seven percent or higher. They all won two thirds of their games or more, and I think the Nets. They they just have so much on offense and they've now gonna have two top ten players in the league. I think that's just amazing value. It's, I think it's a really really low total, shockingly low. And then my my last my last pick, another play, another two unit play, a team that you're not gonna talk about that much except for betting purposes. The Pistons under thirty two and a half percent. The reason why I'm, I like this Pistons bet. You look at the team they had last year. Uh, they already had, they, they had a win percentage of 30.3% last year. So their, their, their total that they have this year is higher than last year. And we already mentioned how the schedule for Eastern Conference teams is going to be a lot tougher than it has been in years past. And you look at the players who were on this team last year. You look at the strengths of the Pistons team. They were one of the better re- offensive rebounding teams in the league, but that was because of Andre Drummond, who's now on the Cavaliers. They were the ninth best three point shooting team in the league. And now it's mainly because of Luke Kennard, who they traded for the pick that became Sadiq Bay. And because of Christian Wood, who they let walk for absolutely nothing, is now on the Rockets. So this the, the, the free agent additions they brought in to replace Christian Wood and Luke Kennard and Andre Drummond, Mason Plumley, Jeremy Grant, Jaleel Okafor. I mean, Plumley was a really not great backup center for the Nuggets. Jeremy Grant had a fantastic year for the Nuggets, but I would say last year, especially in the bubble, was probably the peak we're ever going to see Jeremy Grant reach. And these other guys just are not going to make up for these huge losses like Blake Griffin only played 18 games last year. I think that's probably one of the reasons why this total is so high. Um, cause, because he does have an injury history. But even in those 18 games, he had the worst offensive and rebounding numbers of his entire career when he was healthy. He finished in the second percentile for, second percentile for all big men in effective field goal percentage. And I think he's just aging. And even if he does have a good year, like I just said, there's just no pieces around this team. There's their projected starting lineup on opening day is Killian Hayes, Svi Mykhailuk, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin and Mason Plumley. So you talk about two two big men in Griffin and Plumley who can't really shoot the three. Svi Kyluk is really only a three-point threat. Killian Hayes who has only ever played in EuroLeague in League games and Jeremy Grant who like we said balled out in the bubble but really that was the best I've ever seen him play was last year's playoffs. So really just a really really weak lineup, a really weak bench. And I love this under 25 percent win. So I'm putting a two to play on that. Yeah.
1: I, I definitely love that Pistons play as well. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Jeremy Grant does in an expanded role. And, you know, I think he definitely deserves it after last season with the Nuggets. Uh, but you know, I, I really don't see him translating very well into being, you know, he might even be the number two scorer on that team or at the very least, the number three score on that team. So it'll be intriguing to see how he handles that pressure, especially going up against. Like we said, the great defensive teams in the East. And then, yeah, Blake Griffin's injury history is a big question mark. Uh, obviously, he's going to take a lot of rest days and things like that. But overall, kind of what you were hitting at, this Pistons team definitely seems like they're really willing to go into that full rebuild mode and hopefully capitalize on a great 2021 NBA, 2021 NBA draft class. Um, so they definitely seem like they're in tanking mode. So I definitely love that under as well.
0: Yeah, it's a great point you wrote up. I forgot about how great the draft class is. Um so it team like the Pistons is really they have they have no incentive to win any games, and I feel like the roster is kind of built with that mentality in mind.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're looking to build around Killian Hayes and then probably bring in a wing in the draft because there's so many great top-notch wings in this upcoming draft.
0: Absolutely. All right, so let, let's get into your Eastern Conference finals
1: picks. Yeah, so you know, kind of building off what you were saying earlier. Um so for the Eastern Conference Finals, I think this is finally the year that the Bucs get over the hurdle and end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, obviously, you know, we all look back at the last two seasons and we all agree that they should have been there, but their playoff struggles in the second round just continue. But I think they get over that hurdle this year. And then picking off what you were saying earlier, I absolutely love the Nets going into this season. And I think they're a shoe in to be a top three seed and end up in that Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucs. And I'm sure you agree here. I love them to win the Eastern Conference Finals, but my bet here isn't on the Nets to win the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I know yours is, but I like the Nets to win the championship at plus 600 odds. I think that's great odds. And I like them as a matchup against probably the Lakers in the, in the finals. You know, I think. We can all agree that they're probably going to end up in the finals again this season. So I think plus six hundred is just incredible value there, even if it ends up just being a cash out bet once the finals start. So I like that as a one unit play.
0: A hundred percent. I the Brooklyn Nets, as 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 you've kind of touched on, they 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 were a seven seed last year, and Karis Lavert and Spencer Dinwiddie had probably the and Joe Harris all had some of the best years of their career. Dinwiddie averaged over twenty points, Lavert averaged over eighteen. Joe Harris averaged almost 15 on 42% three-point shooting, and that's before they add KD and Kyrie, who's just going to make this team even better. I think obviously there's going to be a little bit of of growing pains. There's going to be some some figuring out the shot distribution, especially because you're going to have a lot of guys who are going to want to score and have opportunities to shoot the basketball. But you look at the weaknesses of what the, the weaknesses from this team from last season. They had one of the highest turnover rates on offense. Well, now Kyrie is going to be your point guard. So I would say turnovers should definitely, definitely go down. And the other big problem for them, they were a, they really struggled shooting the ball. They were bottom 10 in field goal percentage from three from mid-range and at the rim. But you think about Kyrie and Katie are two of the best shot makers in the league, and not only that. So I know I mentioned Dinwiddie and Levert had really high scoring averages last year, but they actually were not the most efficient players in the world, probably because they're taking on roles that they were nice at taking on. But with Katie and Kyrie on the floor, taking up all the defenders' attention, creating so much space for these other guys... Levert and Dinwiddie and Harris could have even better. Even if their points per game go down, their efficiency could be way up with the amount of space and open looks that they're going to have when KD and Kyrie are occupying the floor with them. So I absolutely love the Brooklyn Nets. Um We haven't even touched on their big men at depth. Jared Allen was had a really promising year last year. They also have DeAndre Jordan is kind of like their veteran leader. I would say. Uh, I would say I don't know if I, you can necessarily trust Kyrie or KD to be to be in a full leadership role on a team. But I think DeAndre Jordan, even though he's not playing as many minutes, he's been on a lot of great playoff teams and he's got a lot of veteran experience to bring to the table and keep coaching Jared Allen and mold into an even better big man. So I absolutely love the Brooklyn Nets. I am actually taking them to win the Eastern Conference. Uh, it's going to be a one and a half unit play um, at plus 275 odds on draft. Actually, no, let me make that a two, a two unit play, a two unit play on the Nets to win the East at plus 275 um, on DraftKings. And kind of, as you mentioned, I could even see that being if the Nets are playing the Bucks or the Celtics in the finals and the Nets are favored, I could even see me at that point throwing a little money on the other team to win the series and guarantee myself profit either way.
1: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Uh, at this point, you know, I kind of look at the Nets almost as a virtual lock to end up in that Eastern Conference Finals. You know, this, I mean... You know, we speak about KD and Kyrie, but this is definitely KD's team. And I fully expect KD to come back and be the player he was before. And he's going to cement himself once again as a top five player in the NBA. And then you touched on it, too. I mean, obviously, Kyrie is the number two guy on this team. But beyond that, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is an incredible basketball player, an incredible playmaker. Uh, the depth they have with Tarion Prince, Joe Harris, who's an incredible three-point shooter. And then the potential to have Karis Levert coming off the bench. This guy would start for every other team in the NBA, but it's starting to look like he might be cemented into that bench role so they can have a great three-point shooter and Joe Harris in that starting lineup playing with Kyrie and KD to stretch the floor. You know, this team is just incredible, and I fully expect them to make that Eastern Conference Finals and kind of what we both touched on. I think we both agree that they're finals destined. They are finals destined
0: and definitely, definitely going to be in the semifinals or in the the Eastern Conference finals.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more.
0: All right. So before we move on to the West, let's just recap our final bets. So my absolute lock in the East is the Indiana Pacers to make the playoffs. It's my three unit play at minus 167. And then my other my other Eastern Conference plays, the Nets over sixty-two and a half percent wins at two units, uh, the Pistons under thirty-two and a half percent wins at two units, the Pacers over fifty-four and a half percent wins at two units, and then lastly the Nets at plus two seventy five to win the Eastern Conference at two units as well. So Ben, why don't you give us your rundown real quick again? Then we'll move on to the West.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, my biggest absolute lock is the Hawks not to make the playoffs. There's zero chance to make the playoffs. So that's a three unit play at plus one ten. And then, like I said before, the Nets at plus six hundred to win the championship. That's a great one unit play. And even though it might have the potential to be a cash out play, you're definitely seeing value there. 100%.
0: 100%. I'm going to touch on the Nets actually even though in our final segment because I when we get to the finals in the West, I'm going to mention the Nets again, so keep that in mind. So let's let's jump to the West now. Uh Ben, you want to start us off with some of some of your favorite plays out West.
1: Yeah, so the Western Conference is pretty interesting this year. Um you know, I I generally have the same top 3 teams that I did last season. Uh obviously the Lakers are pretty much locked in at the one seed. I still think the Clippers are a great team, even though they had some playoff disappointments, so they're in two. And then, you know, I understand there's some debate in NBA circles around the three seed, but the Nuggets, it seems like, are consistently disrespected going into every single season. The fact of the matter is they're a very young team and they're only going to improve going into this season. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is going to take that next step. And then Jamal Murray and Jokic are still young and still getting better every season. And then there's a lot of gray area in that 4 to 10, maybe even 4 to 11 area for me. Um, but something I do love is getting Steph Curry back fully healthy for the Warriors. I think he's going to play a complete season, obviously, with some rest days sprinkled in. And the guys he has around him and Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, he's really going to help elevate their game. We all know Draymond Green looks a lot better when he has actual legitimate scorers that he's playing with. Uh that's when he can really just hone in on defense and be a playmaker for them as well. And I'm also looking forward to seeing how James Wiseman is integrated into that team. Uh so I do love the Warriors win percentage as an over 54 and a half. Um I know this is pretty reliant on Steph Curry's health this season, but I think he's going to be back fully healthy this season. So at over 54 and a half plus 100 I love that as a great two-unit play.
0: I, I, like, I like the Warriors this year. I think that they're, they're playoff bounds. I definitely agree with a lot of things you said about Steph being back. I think Steph's going to have an incredible, incredible season. I think he's ready to show the league that uh, he, has, he has a second wind in him, and he's going he, to reach back to his, after missing an entire season because of injury, that he'll pretty much be back to that top five player in the league. I think he's really ready to prove everyone wrong. I think that this is a Warriors team that's going to be a lot different. I think my biggest pause with this bet, and I still like it. I could I could see myself taking it, but my biggest pause, kind of as you mentioned, there's just a lot of it's not really a very there's not a lot of continuity on this Warriors team from even two years ago to last year to this year. It's been three years and three entirely different looking teams. So I'm just worried about some early season jitters potentially um, potentially making this this bet more of a sweat closer to the end of the season.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely can agree with that. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think I'm just a really big believer in Steph Curry and the Warriors culture. Uh, Steve Kerr is a head coach. Um, so I think they are pretty underrated going into the season. And I think I could even potentially seeing them giving, uh, the Lakers or, uh, the Lakers a headache in the, uh, semifinals as a four or five seed. Or if they are a six or seven seed, I can see them giving. Headaches to uh, the Nuggets or Clippers as well, but obviously with this bet, I'm pretty reliant on them being, you know, at the very least the sixth seed. Which I think with Steph Curry at the helm, anything's possible That's with doable. that team. That's doable mm-hmm.
0: for sure. So I know you kind of mentioned that big block of question marks like between four and ten in the West. My next, my next block, I guess, is out of is from with the team that I'm the highest on out of that group, and that is the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I've touched on I've touched them a little bit um on on Twitter recently, but I'm super, super high on the Trailblazers this year. I think if you look at the team they had in the bubble, it was really what the what the healthy Blazers look like. They missed their big men, Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic, uh, for the entire year. They were starting Hassan Whiteside, who, yes, he's one of the best shot blockers in the league and is a great rebounder, but there's a reason Hassan Whiteside is not a hot commodity on the free agent market. It's why none of the top teams are interested in having him. He's just not that great of a basketball player for today's game. Um, so they moved on from him. Uh, they're gonna be back with Nurkic. Collins, I think, is banged up again, but they have Edis Cantor to be backing up Nurkic this year, who is a fantastic, fantastic offensive player. He's gonna grab a ton of off the rebounds. He's gonna be great around the rim. And you'll go with the what the biggest problem for the Blazers was last year. It came on the defensive side of the ball. They were fantastic on offense. We expect them to be fantastic on offense again. But they went out there and traded for Robert Covington, one of the premier perimeter defenders in the league, a great 3-and-D guy. And the Blazers now truly have someone they can trust to put on a team's best player late in games and expect them to be at least some resistance and not just let him score on them every single time. So I think the Robert Covington addition is huge. I think the fact that now they're going to have, with Covington, Mellows going to be coming off the bench. Um, that's like a fantastic scoring option off the bench. Mello was really great offensively last year, even underrated offensively. Um, and I think that him coming off the bench is going to make this team fantastic. You look at the guards. Obviously, Lillard and McCollum uh, are one of the best duos in the league. Lillard is arguably top two or three point guard in the entire NBA. Some people some people will even make the case that he's the top point guard in the NBA. Um, so you got Lillard and you have McCollum. And you have backing them up, Uh, Gary Trent Jr. popped off at shooting guard last year in the playoffs. He became a really great three-point shooter. Anthony Simons has another year under his belt. You look at the forward spot besides Covington, I think they're going to be starting Derek Jones Jr. at power forward. Um, And then behind Jones Jr. and Covington, again, Mello, as well as Rodney Hood is back. He opted out last year in the bubble, but he was a fantastic bench piece for them. He'll be back as well. And I think this team is just really, really deep, Uh, one of the deepest teams in the NBA, There's a lot of continuity from last year. Really, the only change is they bring in Robert Covington, who kind of fits their three-point style anyway and will give them just a better defender. So I'm really high on this Portland Trailblazers team. I have two bets for them. I would say my lock, the one that I'm putting three units on, is the Blazers' over 55.5% wins. I really think they're going to elevate themselves amongst that blurred group of teams in the Western Conference. And then my other play, this is going to contradict what you said about the Nuggets a little bit but I think it's too much value to pass up. It's only a half-unit play, but it's the Portland Trailblazers to win the Northwest Division at plus 300. They actually have worse odds than Utah Jazz, which is, I think, awful. The Blazers should have better odds than the Jazz, but I'm going to take advantage of that. And the Nuggets are the clear favorites. I think they're minus 150 or something like that to win the division. Um, but I, I think that at plus 300, there's fantastic, fantastic value on the Blazers winning the Northwest Division. Um You look at... Besides last year when they were not healthy, you look at two years ago, the Blazers were the three seed in the West. They finished at 53 and 29, a game back of the Denver Nuggets. Um, and then if you, if you look the year before that, obviously the teams are really different in the West, but just, just for proving how good the the Blazers have been, the Blazers were the three seed in the West three years ago or in 2017, 2018 as well. So I think this is a play that a plus 300 is fantastic value because I could really see the Blazers and Nuggets being neck and neck with each other the entire way and probably only being a couple games apart when the season ends. So again, even if this bet isn't necessarily going to cash, there could be some really good hedging opportunities down the road, especially if the teams are tied or maybe only a game or two apart with uh, about a month left in the season. So those are my two Blazers picks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely very high on the Blazers as well. Um, you know, aside from that, you know, just being back at 100%, having all these guys back healthy and, you know, the... Roddy Hood coming back, you know, I think you, you kind of touched on it, but the biggest thing for me is that Robert Covington edition. I mean, he's going to be absolutely huge for that team. He really just fits the mold of that team perfectly. So I'm definitely a very big fan of that over in terms of win percentage for the uh, Blazers. I think I have them slotting in, in that four to six seed range. And, you know, I am hesitant on them to win their division. Um, But like you said, you're a huge, you're a huge Nuggets guy. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, you know, there is great value there. Um, and especially only at a half unit play. Um, you know, I still think the Nuggets are going to end up pulling out, uh, and winning that division. But like you said, it's going to be neck and neck for sure. Uh, going into the end of the regular season. Um, so overall, yeah, I'm high on the Blazers as well. Do you got any other uh,
0: win total percentage plays that you like out West? Any specifics before we get into Western Conference Finals and NBA Finals? Yeah, so
1: there's one one unit that I wanted to kind of touch on, um, and it's going to be a win percentage one. You know, the Pelicans are very hyped up, um, and understandably so. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's still a very young team. Um, Lonzo Ball, Zion's obviously going to be great, but Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram— you know, those are guys who are really going to need to take the next step for that team to actually solidify themselves as playoff contenders and with Steven Adams lingering injury issues the fact that he's not the same guy he used to be I really like the Pelicans as an under 48 and a half win percentage total I know that might not be popular in NBA crowds but at minus 110 I like that as a solid one unit play
0: yeah I definitely I definitely could see them going under that total again they're if you look at if they're in that four to four to 11 range. They're definitely more in the seven to 11 range than these other teams are than the Blazers and the Warriors. So I could definitely see them being closer to that under than, than, than the over.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's, it's just going to be intriguing to see how the season plays out and how, how much Zion actually plays, how many minutes he gets.
0: So I'm going to give you my, my last three unit play. So my third lock uh, before we move on, and that's going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves under 41.5% uh, win percentage. This Minnesota Timberwolves team, you look at kind of what what the roster looks like, and you look at obviously the, obviously the top two guys, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, two top 15, top 20 guys in the league, uh, but they don't play a lick of defense, um, and I think that even, and I think that outside of them, you look at their third play, they brought back Ricky Rubio uh, from the Suns, another guy who's, again, not fan, not great on defense. And then there's just a huge drop-off. They had this huge big three and then just a massive, massive drop-off to the rest of the team. They're going to want Anthony Edwards to try to get some touches to try to start developing his game. They still have guys like Jared Culver and Josh Okogie who, who still haven't really showed much um, ba- basketball-wise. Maybe They've shown good stuff on defense, but offensively, they really haven't shown any kind of efficiency. Malik Beasley, Jake Lehman, Ed Davis, Juan Hernan Gomez, like that's their team. Like these are like, I'm reading like their fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth guys. And there's just no reason outside of that their win total should be at 41.5%. We've touched on it. you, You touched on that top 11. The Timberwolves are not in this top 11 that we're talking about. Uh, and I just can't believe that their win total is. Is as high as it is at forty one percent. They're gonna have to. I think they're gonna get beat up on by a lot of these Western Conference teams, um, and I think it's gonna be a, a, a big growing pains here for the Timberwolves. They're just they have no depth whatsoever outside of Cat Town, uh, Cat Russell and and uh, Ricky Rubio, and so I'm I'm loving this Minnesota Timberwolves under forty one and a half percent wins.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that play too. And you you kind of touched on all the great points when it comes to that. You know. Carl Towns is not a proven winner, uh, even though he's a great player. Uh, I don't think he can be a number one guy on a playoff team. And that 41 and a half is just way too high. Uh, I expect this to be another year where the Timberwolves are looking to be in the top half of that lottery in the one to seven, one to eight range. So in no way do I expect them to finish any better, any better than 12th place in the West.
0: And I, I actually made money last year on a, on a Timberwolves win total under two. So I'm kind of riding that train for a second year in a row now. So let me, let me give you, let me give you one more play that I actually like was not going to give, but I was looking at it this morning and I was like, wow, that actually I think is really, really good value. We haven't talked about, we haven't talked about the Rockets at all, but I, my opinion on the Rockets, I think the Rockets, if Harden stayed the whole year, I would say that the Rockets actually could be a really good team. I think that him, Wall and, uh, Eric Gordon and Christian Wood, Demarcus Cousins, they have a, re- they actually have a nice lineup, but with all the Harden trade world, trade rumors swirling, um, I, the Mavericks to win division is not great value at minus 350, but let me, let me give you this. I'm parlaying the Dallas Mavericks to win the, to win the Southwest Division and the Miami Heat to win the Southeast Division. So it's going to be the Heat with the, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Magic, and the Hawks. So I think the Heat are an absolute lock to win that division. And you can parlay Mavericks and Heat to win their divisions and it becomes a minus 117 parlay. So I'm making that a two unit play on the Mavericks and Heat to each win their division at minus 117.
1: Yeah, I like those two plays as well. You know, I think the Miami Heat like you said are just an absolute lock to win that division. And then yeah, when it comes to the uh, Mavericks division, you know, it really just depends on that hardened trade. Um but at the end of the day, you know, I think we all foresee him going out east most likely um at some point in the middle of the season, probably sooner than later.
0: And the thing is, even even if Harden doesn't
1: get traded, if he were to stay on the Rockets the whole year, I
0: would still think that the Mavericks would have a good, a decent chance of winning that division anyway. So I think that just adds even more, like even more intrigue to that bet.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt.
0: All right, so let's get into our Western Conference uh, finals or NBA finals plays. So, what specifically are you looking at here?
1: Yeah, so I I like the matchup that we saw last season. Um, the Lakers obviously seem like a lock to be in that Western Conference Finals. But, you know, I am a big, big Denver Nuggets fan and the Nuggets to win the West at plus 1000. I think it's only inevitable that they end up in that Western Conference Finals matchup with the Lakers. Um, so at plus 1000, I see way too much value there. I think once they get into that Western Conference Finals, they're going to be here sitting around plus 220, plus 230 to win that. So although it might not appear like one that would ride out to the end. At the end of the day, once they're in that Western Conference Finals, I think it's a great cash out value bet or just a hedge bet on the Lakers. Uh, so I like that as a half unit play at plus one thousand.
0: Yeah, I I could see I could I like that as well. You got the Nuggets Lakers rematch from last year. The, the one thing where I would be worried if I were you is if you if I remember correctly, last year when the Lakers and Nuggets met in the finals. The Nuggets to win the series bet was terrible. Like The odds on, or like the odds were like just really, really disrespectful for the Nuggets. So I'd just be a tad worried that the cash-out is going to be, well, that's, if, if we cash you out here, there's still plus 1,000 to beat the Lakers in the series. Because I know last year that that was actually the level of disrespect they got.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. At the end of the day, there's still going to be that home-and-home mm-hmm. home, uh, aspect of this series. So I'd expect the Nuggets to get three games in Denver. And at that point, I would imagine fans are going to be fully back with the coronavirus vaccine out and rolled out. And at the end of the day, you know, there's still going to be great cash out value there, whether it's the beginning of the series or even if you decide to ride it out a little bit and see if the Nuggets can steal a game in L.A. Uh, I just I really like this Nuggets team. And I, I think they're going to be even better this season than they were last year.
0: A hundred percent. Well, that gets me to my to my Lakers pick. I do not even mention the Nuggets being better. Last season, or this season, and last season. I think the L.A. Lakers are going to be even better this season than last season. I mean, you you, you take a Finals team, and then you add two of the three finalists for Six Men of the Year and Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell, and all of a sudden they have a ton of scoring threats off the bench. They're bringing back Kyle Kuzma. They bring in Marcus Sewell to kind of take over for Dwight Howard. Uh, they they still have Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Uh, they they're gonna to have to replace Danny Green and Avery Bradley. Um, but I think they should be able to do that. And I just love this Lakers team this year. People are going to tell me that I'm just taking the favorite, but I'm, I'm backing the Lakers at plus 275, uh, to win the finals. I'm making that a three unit play. I'm, I'm super confident. Also, I just think that at the end of the year, I'll be happy that I have this value now. Then once the playoffs start and once the playoffs start, I could see them being the one season, the plus 275 could be closer to plus 200, plus 175. So I'm putting so I'm putting a three-unit play on the Lakers to win the finals at plus two seventy-five for all just just how great their roster is. They still have obviously LeBron and A.D., two top five players in the league. I'm not touching any of the Lakers' regular season futures just because with with them with us knowing how short the offseason was for the Lakers, people talking about LeBron complaining about that, I can see him and AD taking their off days. Throughout the season, making sure they're fully healthy and ready to kind of make another finals run. So I'm not touching any of the Lakers regular season futures, but I do love the Lakers to make the finals at plus 275. And then really quickly, while we're touching finals, also a, uh, a half unit play on the Nets to win the finals. I'm at plus 600 just because I think that if, if, if it's any team besides the Lakers, uh, it would be the Nets and just how the units, how the units line up here. Um, Lakers at three units, the Nets at half a unit. If the Nets were to win the finals and beat the Lakers, you'd break even overall on all the finals bets, which I think would, would, would be pretty nice. Yeah,
1: and this kind of goes hand in hand. I think we're, we, we kind of both have the same opinion here. I think we both expect the Lakers-Nets uh, championship uh, matchup. Um, and while I think we both agree that the Lakers are most likely to get that, you know, the Nets value at plus 600 creates a wonderful hedge opportunity um, with that. And that plus 600 value is just too crazy, too ridiculous to pass up. And then the Lakers, they should not be getting that great of a value uh, in terms of winning the championship. I understand the season hasn't even started yet. There's 30 teams. But at the end of the day, they're the reigning champs. You know, We could tell from the beginning of the bubble that they were clearly going to win the NBA championship. And going into this season, there's no reason to think otherwise. So that value uh, that you got on the Lakers is great.
0: Absolutely. So let's quickly recap our West and then we're going to touch on some, uh, I guess, some more of our flyers, some of our potentially big payout, but probably lower unit plays towards the end, some of the player prop kind of stuff. So to recap my West picks, um, my absolute lock is the, my two absolute locks are the Timberwolves under 41 and win percentage at three units and the Trailblazers over 55 and percent win percentage at three units. And then I put a half unit on the Blazers to win the Northwest at plus 300. Uh, two units on a Mavericks and Heat to each win their division parlay. And then lastly, three units on the Lakers to win the finals at plus 275.
1: Yeah, and then for me, you know, my biggest uh, bet in the West is the Warriors win percentage at over 54 and a half. Like I said before, the return of Steph Curry is going to prove great for them. Uh, so I love that at plus at 100 is a two unit play. And then beyond that, my other big play, uh, kind of a long shot when you think about it, but the Nuggets at plus 1,000 to win the West, that's just too that's too great of value. I fully expect them to be back in that Western Conference Finals. So whether it's a cash out play or if you decide to ride it out when the Nuggets come out and impress even more this season than they did last season, I see great value there as a half unit play.
0: All right, so let's get into some of the fun stuff, some of these uh, long-shot MVP, most improved. um, What sticks out to you first? What's something that you kind of thought was pretty fun and looked looked like good value to you?
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll start off with the Rookie of the Year. Um, Obviously, this rookie class, people do not have very high expectations for this rookie class. It was seen as one of the weaker ones in the last decade or so. But when you look at the rookies that came in, Obi Toppin right now is clearly the best player from that draft class in the long haul. He might not be, but right now he's going to go into that next team. Uh, he's going to prove to be honestly, maybe even their second or third best player going into the season. I expect him to get a lot of touches and I think RJ Barrett and him as a duo is going to be great and I fully expect him to get probably 25, maybe even up to 30 minutes a game. And in that playing time, he's gonna be a beast on the boards and he's gonna be a great three level scorer. So I think him at plus six hundred is my lock in terms of future bets. Um obviously because it's plus six hundred, I'm only gonna throw one unit on there, but one unit's a pretty big play for plus six hundred, but I just love Obi Top in there.
0: Yeah, and am coming to kind of backing off backing off that Obi Top pick a little bit. He was seen as probably the most NBA ready. Um least offensively from that draft class. And I think about some of the other favorites to win rookie of the year. I mean, Anthony Edwards is going to be behind Carl Anthony Townsend, D'Angelo Russell, and even Ricky Rubio, potentially. A guy like LaMelo Ball is still going to have to figure out touches with Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and Devontae Graham. And Obi Toppin on the Knicks, kind of as you were saying, like he could be a top two or top three scoring option for that team. Um, he's definitely going to be in their starting lineup from from day one. And yeah, he really could have the the highest statistical impact on a team this year, even if he's not going to be the actual best rookie from this class, looking back on it five or 10 years from now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And that plus 600 value is just too great. In my opinion, he should be the favorite. So I think everybody should go out there and just toss one unit on that. And it'll definitely pay dividends as the season comes to a close. Uh, But other than that, I I only really had one other big player future that I liked. Um, and that's most triple-doubles. Russell Westbrook sits in at plus 500. Uh He's third to Luca and LeBron James in terms of those odds. And, you know, looking back at last season, he didn't really have the opportunity to be the old triple-double Russ that he was because he was with James Harden, who is obviously probably the most ball-dominant guard in the NBA. And when you look at him going to the Wizards, um, clearly Bradley Beal is still going to be in theory, the best player on that team. But I think him and Russ definitely pair up a lot better than him and James Harden did. And I think he's going to have great opportunities to facilitate to him, uh, as well as Breton's uh, on three-point shooting. And then also, I think Thomas Bryant, you know, I, I hate him and I love him. But at the end of the day, he is a great pick-and-roll player and he is a great scorer around the rim. And I think him and Russell Westbrook as a pick-and-roll duo is going to pay great dividends. So I really like Russell Westbrook to... Honestly, by far, lead the league in triple-doubles. And at plus 500, that's some great value. So I'm tossing half of a unit towards that. I'm actually looking
0: at that now because I, I, I liked that play when you mentioned it before the podcast. That's something you were taking. I liked it a ton then. I'm looking at it now a little more detail just just out of curiosity. So 2016-2017, when Russ was on the Thunder, he had 42 triple-doubles and Harden had 22 in second place. But he was by himself then. But even to compare the two years with Paul George, Paul George is more ball-dominant than Bradley Beal is. So Russell Westbrook should probably have the ball in his hands more on the Wizards than he did on the Thunder teams with Paul George. So 2017-2018, Russell Westbrook's 25 triple-doubles still lead the NBA with Paul George on his team. And then going back, going even to 2018-2019, Russell Westbrook had 33 triple-doubles to again lead the league. Um, So yeah, that's... Fantastic, fantastic
1: value. Wow. Um, Honestly, one unit. I'm going to throw one unit on that if you, you read me that stat. Yeah. I mean, Paul George is clearly more ball dominant than uh, Bradley Beal is. And I think, you know, Westbrook's going to come into Washington and he's going to have a really, really big chip on his shoulder. Uh People kind of looked at him as the person to blame uh to an extent for the Rockets playoff woes. But that's just not the case. I mean, he is an incredible player, and he is a stat-stuffing machine. So I, I absolutely love that play. Yeah,
0: I, I'm looking at it a lot, too. I know you mentioned LeBron's ahead of him. I don't think LeBron's going to play enough games to to kind of be there. And I really think it's going to be a toss-up between Doncic and Russell Westbrook. I think uh, Doncic is probably the only guy who's going to compete with Russell Westbrook for triple-doubles. I would say Harden, but again, with the trade pending – he gets traded to a Nets or to a Heat or to a Sixers. He's not. It's it, it, first of all, it's going to be a huge adjustment for the team and for Harden. Second of all, he's not going to be the at least right away. He's not going to be getting all those triple doubles. Because he's not going to have the ball in his hands enough. So I really think that it really should be like Russell Westbrook and Luca could probably each be like plus one hundred and fifty. Honestly, so the fact that you're getting it at what plus five hundred is is really ins- mm-hmm. really insanely high in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Love that play.
0: All right, so let me give you my couple uh futures for players real quickly. Uh, my favorite play for is Luka Doncic to win MVP at plus 410 on FanDuel. Uh, I'm putting a one-unit play on that. Um, I know people talk about how he would be the youngest MVP uh, in the NBA. There's a lot, but I really think that there is value there. I know going back to thinking about what makes an MVP, it's not just about stats. If it was just stats, I mean Luka could potentially average a triple double statistically this year, him or Westbrook, but it also comes down to how good your team is going to be. I know the MVP the MVP voters value uh your team's performance a lot in MVP and all-star voting. Um and I really think the Mavericks are gonna be we talk about that four to ten blurred range in the West. I think the Mavericks are gonna be in that four, five, six range. And honestly, the closer they are to that four range, the the better the Luca the Luka MVP odds are going to look. I think with Porzingis slated to miss um, the first few weeks of the season, the first month of the season with an injury, it'll allow Luca to kind of beef up his stats even more initially. And then once Porzingis comes back, they'll be at that full 100 percent ready to go opportunity to make a huge push in the Western Conference playoff race. I think at plus 410, the value is the value is there. Some of the other guys that were kind of around Luca, um, Giannis, which I think it's really hard to imagine just them voting Giannis MVP for a third straight season. I also think it's not how MVP should be voted on, but it's kind of how it's voted on. They don't like giving to the same guy too many times. We've seen that with LeBron late in his career now. I think a guy like LeBron, a guy like Kawhi, a guy like AD, none of the three of them are going to play enough games in the regular season to warrant an MVP vote. Um, So let me give my long shot also. I'm taking – so I put a unit on Doncic at plus 410. I'm also putting uh, a third of a unit on Damian Lillard at plus 1900 to win MVP. Kind of the same things that I meant. I know I'm really high on the Blazers. If the Blazers finish, if the Blazers win the Northwest, like I can see them doing, if they finish a the top three seed in the West, it's going to be because of Damian Lillard. And I think at the plus 1900, there's fantastic, fantastic value. So a one unit play on Doncic's to win MVP and a third of a unit on Lillard uh, to win MVP at plus 1900.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on those points. You know, I think Giannis, unfortunately, it's not a postseason award, but Giannis' previous lack of postseason success is really going to hurt his MVP odds this season. He's going to have to absolutely stuff the stat sheet to actually be a real, real contender for that. all those first place votes. And then LeBron, people are just sick of giving him the award. They've been that for a long time. He's been robbed of a couple MVP awards in the past. And like you said, he's just not going to play enough games. They won't give it to AD. He's playing with another top five player. So I think I really like whatever team comes out of that blurred range in the West, whether it's you know, the Blazers or the Mavericks, those are probably the top two choices, or even the Warriors possibly sliding in there. You know, the best player on those three teams, whether it's uh Donkic, who I like the most, or Lillard plus 1900 is great value. Or even Steph Curry, if he comes in and just completely dominates games and returns to his old MVP form at plus 800, that's great value too. So I like that as a half unit play in addition to your two plays that you mentioned before. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And just really quickly about Dom, real quick, we kind of forget about the, the, the Mavericks team, the injuries they had last year. They're going to have Dwight Powell back at center, who was really good for them. And then Jalen Bron- uh, Jalen Bronson and Courtney Lee, two other guys that, um, were out and should be returning. So, um, the Portland or the, the Dallas Mavericks are going to be at full strength not quite they're gonna to have to wait a little bit till uh, till Porzingis is back but eventually they're, they're gonna have some of their some of their guys who missed the bubble back uh, from last year I'm gonna my one last play this is the, probably my most fun play I'm also it's probably my my lowest unit play that I'm gonna give um, I am taking I'm putting a another third of a unit play and it's on Kobe White to win most improved player. Uh, at plus 1600. Um, I think that there's really, there's really good value there. First of all, some of the other guys that were around him, you got like, I think Shy Gildas Alexander is the favorite at plus 1250. And even though he might ball out, put up 25 a game, I think when you're putting up 25 a game for the 13, 14, 15 seed out west, uh, it's not, it's not a great look. A team that's going to definitely be in a huge decline from last year. The, the Bulls, I could potentially actually see that team being in that nine to 10 seed range, maybe, and having a chance at even, mm-hmm. they're not, I, don't, I don't think they're going to make the final eight playoffs in the East, but they should at least be able to, uh, they should at least be able to get a play in game out, out East. And then looking at Kobe white and why I so high on him, he had, he really is going to be the starting point guard this year. Last year, Sadaransky started for the bulls. He had a terrible year. Kobe white's going to be slotting in a point guard for them to start this year. They have a new coach in Billy Donovan who made a you look at that Thunder team last year, what they were expected to do versus what they did do. I mean, Billy Donovan elevates the game of his of his players, and I think he can help Kobe White with that a lot. At only 19 years old last year, his 24.4% usage rate was third for all rookies behind only Ja and Zion. And despite a super high super high usage rate, his turnovers were in the top two-thirds of the league for all combo guards. He actually did not turn the ball over very much, which is definitely a, a cool thing to see from a rookie. And looking at the scoring numbers, because scoring is probably ultimately what's going to help determine who wins most improved player. He made 36.5% of his threes last year, which ranked in the top half of the league for all combo guards. And if you look at stats pre-bubble, because obviously he didn't get to play after after March, he led all rookies in threes made pre-bubble, and he averaged over 26 points per game over the Bulls' last nine regular season games. So he has the scoring prowess, and he has, all, he has a lot of opportunities to grow. I think filling into that point guard role, his assists can be much higher than they were last season. And then lastly, 76% of his shots came from either three or from mid-range, which is super efficient. He doesn't settle for those mid-range jumpers that are going to, as we see in today's game, are not the most efficient shot. And you look at where Kobe White can really improve. Something that I thought was interesting, 31% of his shots came within four feet of the basket last year, but he made only 49% of them, which is super, super low percentile for a guard. So if he can if he can keep getting to the rim at a super high rate and increase his efficiency on those shots... Increases 36.5% three-point shooting. Not, he's not going to average 26 points a game, but if he can average in the low 20s, um, kind of like we saw over those last nine games, get those assists up as he moves into that starting point guard role. I really like Kobe White to to potentially be most improved player, especially if the Bulls can crack that top 10, a top 10 slot in the East.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like that play too. I mean, looking at most improved player odds, you know, there's a ton of players there and they're all plus 1,000 or higher odds. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's, (laughs) I like it as a, yeah, it's a crap show. I like it as a low unit play, but if I had to pick anybody on that list, it would definitely be him, you know, kind of building off what you said. I really like the Bulls to improve a lot this season. Obviously a very young team coming back for the most part, completely healthy. And I really think this is the time that, Kobe White and Zach Levine really show out as a great guard duo. And I like the Bulls, like you said before, to finish in that ninth, 10th place range and really surprise people, especially with Billy Donovan at the helm.
0: 100%. Let's, let's just recap really quickly our uh, our favorite player props for everyone really quickly. So I, I'm i taking Luka Doncic to win MVP, a one-unit play. Uh, Damian Lillard to win MVP at a one-third of a unit play at plus 1,900. And then Kobe White to win most improved player, another one third of a unit play at plus 1600.
1: And yeah, it's a bit kind of build off of Ben's right there Uh, with the MVP odds. You know, I also like those two plays as well. And I also like just kind of throwing a half unit in there on Steph Curry as well. Um, And, you know, that's partially just because I'm very high on the Warriors. Uh, But I really think those three uh, are going to be my favorites personally to win the MVP this season. And then looking at my lock in terms of player, uh, futures, rookie of the year, Obi Toppin, best player from that draft as of right now. And honestly, I could still see him being the best player in that draft five years from now. And on that next team, he's going to get plenty of scoring opportunities, plenty of minutes, and he's going to be all over the boards. So at plus 600, I love that as a one unit play. And then Russell Westbrook, triple double machine. He's going to be back to his old self with the war, uh, with the Wizards. He's going to have that chip on his shoulder. I love him to lead the league in uh triple doubles and at plus 500 that's great value for a one unit play.
0: And I I echo X all that that Russell Westbrook play I I love as well. I didn't see that initially when you're looking at lines and futures but once he mentioned it to me I was like wow that's I mean I mentioned all those other triple double stats. He's led the league in triple doubles every year except for last year and he played with Harden for the last like 3 4 years. So plus 500 he should be he should be a he should be a coin flip bet, not a Not a plus 500 bet. That's crazy value.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I completely agree.
0: Well, thank you, Ben, uh, for joining me on this podcast. Uh, everyone, I hope you guys can go through, find, even, even, even if you don't want to take all of our plays, pick out kind of your favorites and, and follow along with us as the season goes through. I'd love to have you back. Maybe like a month left in the year, we can look at uh, how some of these bets are, are looking and maybe look at what the new prop market looks like for these, some of these player props and see how the value shifted, how our value was when we took them at the beginning of the year. So it should be great. I'm really excited to follow these bets. I'll be giving out all my picks, also daily NBA betting picks for the games and totals and over-unders and player props on my Twitter at YourTakePod and my Instagram as well. So be sure to follow both of those if you want daily NBA betting picks. Um, so thanks so much again, Ben, for for joining me. I'm really looking forward to the season starting.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me again, Benj. It's it's always great being on this podcast and yeah, I hope all of you guys listening, uh, end up taking some of our great bets. Um, I really think that we're going to make some, some good money on these plays. And I definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing as the season shakes out how these lines change and, you know, really doing, like you said, that, that one month to go in the season kind of recap and looking to see where our bets are. Uh, Definitely looking forward to this NBA season starting on Tuesday.
0: And really quickly before we go, your take pod, Benjamin Eckdahl and Benjamin Stern uh, take no liability for any of your money that you (laughs) you throw away in any of our picks.
1: Absolutely. That's that's definitely a very important note. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. All right. Thanks.